he thinks of his world as a dartboard. And the recognition that you really only control that little red bullseye dot in the middle. Everything else is outside of your control and further and further outside of your control. Certainly, you probably have, can exert some influence over the over the innermost ring and maybe the ring beyond that. But as, as you get further out, the idea is really just focusing on that bullseye and controlling what you can control. Welcome to the Two Sales Guys Podcast with your hosts, Sean Whitley and Matthew Sokers. What's commonly talked about are the tactics and methodologies for sales professionals. What is less commonly talked about is the stress and anxiety that comes with being a seller. Each day, sales reps are asked to take rejection after rejection, operate in a world of uncertainty and high pressure, and either fail to hit their number or get a higher quota the next year. We'll talk about how to cope with these pressures and what a winning sales mindset really looks like. Sales is often called a performance business, and we'll explore how stress can drive bad selling behaviors. And alternatively, we'll look to experts on how you can manage your mind and wellness first so that you're putting your best foot forward every day at work. We'll talk to professionals in the industry who share the same experiences and what organizations can do to create a healthy, winning sales culture. All right, welcome back to the two sales guys. Uh, you're here with Sean and Matt, and we actually have someone really interesting on the show today. His name's Scott Ingram, and I'm actually going to let Scott introduce himself. So, Scott, who are you? <laughs> Thanks, Sean. So, uh, first and foremost, I like to think of myself as an intentional individual contributor. So, I've been in sales now for uh, well, uh, let's not quantify that long enough. Uh, long enough to have had a, a lot of experiences and a, and a lot of fun. Uh, most people know me as the host of the Sales Success Stories podcast, where I only interview active quota carrying individual contributors who are either the outright number one top performer in their companies, or they're at least in the top one percent. So every now and then I find somebody at Microsoft that's number three of 800 and we call that good enough. Uh, so been having a ton of fun with with that show for, gosh, 113 uh, interview episodes and a lot of bonus stuff in between. And we've built uh, a sales success summit that we do every year off of that and some books. And then that's a very long form podcast. We were talking earlier. It, it's not unusual for me on that show to sometimes have a two hour long conversation. So I created the exact opposite show a little over two years ago called Daily Sales Tips. And we that is a seven day a week. Uh, show that we're now, gosh, almost almost 800 episodes into always, almost always five minutes or less. So just real quick hits, lots of different folks. So there's there's no crazy requirement that you have to be the best of the best to be on on that show. But we get a lot of different perspectives and and ideas. Uh, and then I, I live in Austin, Texas. I'm married and I have two daughters who are 13 and 15 and there are too many animals in my house. Very cool. Um, well, I'm excited to chat today, Scott. And, you know, we're, we're our, our podcast, as you know, we're, we're really interested in talking more about the stress and pressure that comes with our profession and, um, and what we can do to deal with that. And I think before we get into some of your observations and advice on what people can do to better manage the stress of our job, um, it sounds like you have an interesting story or experience with your first sales gig. Do you mind kicking us off with sharing a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, for sure. So before we talk about the solution to stress, let's talk about my stress, right? Let's see if, let's see if that <laughs> right. works, works me up. Well, so my first uh, real like sales focused job, I, I, my first company I started when I was 19 or 20 years old. And, and if you're a Breaking Bad fan, the name of that company was actually Gray Matter Technologies, uh, but sold, sold that company before we moved to Austin, something like 17 years ago. And I, I really decided, again, this is where the intentionality piece kind of comes to, to bear. Um, you know, having been an entrepreneur and been responsible for everything, I realized my favorite part was was the sales part and the conversation with with customers. And so I decided to, to pursue a, a truly uh, a traditional kind of sales professional um, kind of a path. And I started that journey with ADP. So I went to work with them in the major account space, selling to major accounts, kind of a lofty title. I was really selling to, to mid market companies here in, in Austin. And on paper, I did really well. You know, I was there was one guy who just edged me out for the rookie of the year award in my first year. I made President's Club my first year. Um, they they had this thing. ADP is really funny in, in the way their commission is structured, because the more you sell, the higher your commission rate gets. But then the fiscal year starts over. And so you go from this massive percentage to making nothing. And so everybody, you know, flushes out their pipe and sells everything they can at the at the end of the year. And and part of what they do to counteract that is they have a kind of a stack rank award incentive trip thing uh, based on kind of first quarter results called super starts. And I qualified for that. Wasn't able to go on the trip. My wife was very, very pregnant at the time. And I'm a pretty good sales buy guy, but I couldn't convince my wife that I should go to Cabo by myself while she was like seven and a half months pregnant. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, so again, like on paper, it looked like great. Like if I were to document this on my resume, you know, my attainment and, and the new clients I brought on and all that stuff was fantastic. I can't tell you how much time like I spent in my car, like in the parking lot. Just I had to walk out. I needed a break from this. The the stress and the stress and the pressure and just the the feeling of I don't know, inadequacy. Like I'm just I'm not good at this. This is so freaking hard. Um, it was it was pretty constant, right? And and then kind of the pressures of a very young family, right? Just have, have knowing that I needed to support them and and all of that stuff. It was it was just really tough. And I think looking back on that and and the advice that I give to folks that are just starting out in their careers is know and expect that especially those first couple even few years are gonna they're gonna suck and and you just have to kind of embrace the suck and know that it's going to be challenging and and set your expectation level accordingly and and then find people who you can be really open and honest with and talk about, I mean, it's why you guys are doing the show because nobody actually talks about this stuff. We have to put on this face. Um, maybe this is the other reason why I, I disabled my Facebook account years ago. Like everybody's putting on this false front that's not real. And behind the scenes, we're not seeing the emotional turmoil and everything else that's kind of going on. Like nobody saw me sitting in my car going, God, what? <laughs> I don't know if I can freaking do this. 
Um, so I, I think it's just so important that we do tell these stories and and we find other folks who are going through that. And and you know when when I created sales success stories. It was in a lot of ways to kind of do this because I've always been a student of sales. I have always consumed so much of this content. But what I felt like was always missing is all of the content, all the books and all this other stuff out there are typically coming from people who haven't had a quota themselves in years or decades. Absolutely. Like you don't know <laughs> what my world is like. Right. And and again, they're putting on this story of like, oh, I was amazing. I never had any problems. Like, seriously, no, I need to hear from real people about, you know, what they've done to break through and get to the top and really find those extraordinary levels of, of success. But even then, right, even when you're at the very top and you're number one on the leaderboard, it's still hard, right? It, it's still, and, and I think at that level, um, you know, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, Right. It's it, 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 it may be shifts. Right. It's less coming from the threat of, I, oh, my God, I might get fired or my boss is all over me. But now it's the pressure of, well, I've got to maintain this. Like I, I've been at the top. I've been able to be consistent. Well, I've got to keep the streak going. And so now we put a whole bunch of additional weight on ourselves to just kind of, of get through that. So it, it's. It's ubiquitous, right? We all deal with this. I, I, I don't know that I've talked to anybody who's like, yeah, I, I got this. I'm all good. Like, I never have any struggles. There's, it's never a challenge. It's no problem. Like, that's all BS. If, if that's what they're saying, they're lying. We call that the sources of stress. That's what we talk about here, that, you know, there's the stress of the job. There's the stress that your boss puts on you. There's some sort of organizational stress. There's a customer stress. And then the personal stress, like, I'm in the same boat that when I started at Telesign and got into the position to start earning some commissions, our life was starting to get better for me and my, at that time we were fiance. And then we went and got married. Then you have your first kid and you're like, man, I got to keep this thing going. It's going to be a failure. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, not only do I feel the pressure that I have to provide as a father and a husband, but like you said, as soon as I start doing well and you've experienced that success, you don't want to go anywhere else but up, right? So you're compounding that that pressure on yourself. And and yeah, I mean, I haven't been, um, I can't recall like a consistent time where I had to go sit in the car, you know, as an example for myself. But yeah, there's been times where I've had to like pull myself into a room and just like take a few minutes because what I was just dealing with was the stuff I do every day, but for some reason, it just felt so much harder that day. And it just was something came to, came to a, a point, right? Well, and the other thing about that is, you know, that, that's when you recognize it. But I think a lot of times, at least this was the case for me, I didn't really know how stressed I was until like a few years down the road, like grinding. Um, and you kind of wake up with a bunch of bad habits, you know, poor sleep habits, poor healthy health habits, and then kind of realize it, like, what am I doing to myself? And, and that you're just keep putting your head down and focusing on the task, but you're not necessarily taking care of yourself. Have you seen that yourself as well, Scott, where folks just are so focused on execution that they sometimes forget or aren't recognizing that they're subjecting themselves to a ton of stress. 
I actually think what I'm starting to see is the top performers have really recognized that. And part of the reason they're there is because they have realized they need to adopt healthy habits and they need to think about their sleep and they need to think about getting the workouts in and, and journaling and meditating and, and all of these other, other things that a lot of us do. Um, because you can only keep up the negative cycle for so long before it's going to break you. And, and we all kind of reached that, that breaking point. So, you know, one of the things for me that it's taken me a really long time to, to learn this. Um, I've always been, uh, pretty active, right. I've, I've always worked out at least a couple of times a, a, a week. And actually it's, it's a, I mean, I, I, this hasn't happened in years, but I used to have pretty significant bouts with, with depression and, it's just it, I get into this negative cycle and the first thing that happens is like, OK, well, I, I sleep I sleep longer, so I'm, I'm not getting up. And then I'm like, well, it's OK. I'll, I, it's better that I sleep and I not do my workout. And then that starts to compound. And it's just it's a it's a horrible downward cycle. I know it now to the point where I work out six days a week. I've recognized I need it every single day. Day. Every other day is not enough. I can cross train, right? If, if I'm doing too much of one thing, right? I can't run every day. So, okay, cool. I'll run every other day. I spend a lot of time on a Peloton because I can do that every day. Um, or I'll go swim. I'm, I'm a triathlete when that's a thing. Um, but that is, is just super, super important. And again, it, it's really, it's finding the healthy outlets because I think a lot of people find very unhealthy outlets, right? And, and that is... Uh, it, it's it's a partially a cultural thing uh, because hey we're in sales we we work hard we party hard right like it, it's it's got that type of a of a of a mindset to it again like one of the uh, one of the realizations that we had in the first year of, of the sales success summit you know I brought all these top performers together and I was actually worried at at one degree I was like okay this could get out of control because I'm bringing in these huge egos, all these people that are at the top of their game. Like if we get into this game of like one upsmanship, this could go bonkers. And the reality is the opposite happened. There was this level of humility because everybody came into the room going, Hey, I know I'm the best person in my company. I'm not quite sure I'm the best person in this room. And I'm going to take this opportunity to learn from some great people. And, and uh, Jeff Pajoric actually mentioned, he's like, I was just kind of waiting for everybody to uh, to start drinking and it kind of didn't happen. Like everybody's ordering water and, and stuff. And again, I think it's just putting yourself in the right places where you're you're finding people that have adopted those types of more healthy approaches and they're they're going to the gym and they're eating right and, and they're not drinking too much or, or finding other vices uh, to to relieve stress and, and doing it, doing it the, the right way. I mean, the other big reason I started Sales Success Stories is I had heard my entire career, the Jim Rohn quote that is you uh, um, now I'm going to forget the, the quote. Uh, you you resemble or, or you become the, the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I'd heard that a gajillion times, but I'd never really acted on it. And so I started the show partially to do exactly that. And lo and behold, I'd never been the number one person in my company before, but now I have been for the last three years. Right. So there's there's something to it. And I've done it in a very, very healthy way. Right. It's It's been incredible. A question I was going to ask was like, 
it's a little off topic maybe, but what's your opinion in terms of like, not just how the sales culture has changed, but like, do you feel like nowadays it's, there's a responsibility by the organization to put a healthier environment in place to make sure that the outlets are the healthier outlets and not the unhealthy outlets. I think slowly but surely we're starting to get there, right? I, I, I feel like two years ago or, or a year and a half ago um, when, when I was hosting the second summit, some of this stuff really started to come up. Um, there was a there was a panel conversation where it, it got really real, right? And and we started getting into you know just talking about depression and talking about some of the some of the challenges. And and I made a commitment at that point to uh, to to talk about it because we, we really just is as early as a couple of years ago. I feel like we never broached this subject at all. And so that to me was just so strong. The, the reaction from the audience was so visceral and, and just everybody felt it. And at the same time, um, what was happening in the back of my head. So I made a commitment. I said, we are going to talk about this in some pretty significant depth at the next summit, because what was weighing on me in that moment, and I, I damn near completely broke down, is I had a very good friend who was supposed to be with us at that event, who was in a hospital on suicide watch um, because he had gone to an extraordinarily uh, dark place. The The beauty of that situation, if there is such a thing, um, is that he was willing to the next year in, in 2020 tell the story and just, hey, you know, here's here's what happened. Um, his company was extraordinarily supportive, gave him the resources, the time, the, the space. I mean, really everything he needed uh, in, in that moment. So in, in that way, and I've also seen this with, uh, with somebody else in, in the community, in the sales success community, who um, came out with, with a pretty significant addiction problem. And was just worried. Yeah, I mean, he reached out to me personally and was like, look, if you don't ever want to talk to me again, I'll understand. But I want you to know, here's the situation. Um, and I'm like, are, are you kidding? Or, I mean, if anything, like we're, we're going to embrace you and, and help you get through this. So I think that more and more companies are reacting to this well. Right. As these things come up and people come forward and say, I am really struggling. I need help. The help is there. We're not asking for the help nearly enough. We're, we're not being open with ourselves and our organizations and, and even with our families. Like how much how often are we hiding this from the people who are right next to us, who are with us all the time, who, who would be willing to help? But we're getting better at the reacting. I don't think we've gotten anywhere close to the point that we're getting in front of this and being more proactive and and addressing the the culture, the outlets, um, and, and just getting in front of it and saying, this is very likely an issue and a challenge for you. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how that feels. Let's talk about how to react, what you can do, um, how we can help each other, why it's good 
to be more open about this stuff and and share these stories. It's not weakness. You're not a failure. You know, but but you we can't get through it if if you're not willing to kind of put yourself out there and say, oh, man, I'm I'm in a, I'm in a bad spot. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of it is fear driven about things that haven't happened yet. Um, at least a lot of the sources of stress um, in my particular case has been fearing what might or might not happen in the future. Um, and, and you'd referenced a, a something which was a, a target with the bullseye. Um, yeah. It'd be interesting for you to share your thoughts, because I think that's pretty relevant to the discussion around, you know, how we get wrapped up in our thoughts and our fears and our concerns as our own profession. Yeah. Yeah. What I'll, what I'll do, I'm going to put together um, just a a very basic page for you guys. So if you go to top1.fm forward slash two sales guys, and the way I'll do that is you could do it with either the number two or spell it out. And it's T-O-P, the number one.fm forward slash two sales guys. I will put a link to David's presentation um, because I, I will never gate that. It is very important that that stay open. And one of the things, and David's the the gentleman who was who kind of shared his story and and had been in the the very very dark place. Um, one of the big realizations he came to was his he thinks of his world as a dartboard, and the recognition that you really only control that little red bullseye dot in the middle. Everything else is outside of your control and further and further outside of your control. Certainly, you probably have, can exert some influence over the, over the innermost ring and maybe the ring beyond that. But as, as you get further out, I can't do anything about geopolitics. I can't do anything about, uh, uh, you know, uh, climate change. I mean, yeah, sure. There's little things I can do, but really I, I can't, there's nothing I can do about it was eight degrees and seven, and I got seven inches of snow in Austin last week and it totally torpedoed my entire freaking week. Um, that, that just happens. There's nothing I can do about that, but it's that idea of really recognizing that understanding that. And let's bring that even closer to sales though, right? Let's, let's talk about like the second and third rings out. As much as we would like to, we don't really control the outcomes of our deal cycles. There is all kinds of stuff that happens. I mean, how many times have we been in a situation where we have a deal on the two yard line and our uh, decision maker who is already committed to us leaves or, or the company gets acquired? And it's just the deal's freaking dead. There's nothing you could have done about that. There's nothing you can do to control that. There's so many situations like that, that it is what it is. So the idea is really just focusing on that bullseye and controlling what you can control. And one of the things thematically in in a number of very recent Sales Success Stories podcast episodes is I'm hearing a lot of reps talk about just focusing on the inputs. You know, just like, look, I'm not even going to worry about the outcomes. If I do enough of the right things, if I if I make enough calls, if I do enough of the right activities, I create enough opportunities, I build a strong enough pipeline, it'll work out in the end. Right? I'm just going to do as much 
of the right things as I possibly can. And I am going to feel like I've won when I've done those things that I've committed to. And I'm going to disassociate from the outcomes, which might be good, but sometimes they're going to be bad. But if I do enough of the right things that I can actually control, it's probably going to work out in the end. Like the law of averages and to some degree, the what I call sales karma <laughs> is going to come around and take care of you. Um, but it, but the, that bullseye concept has really um, resonated with me. And, and I've been thinking about it a lot since, since David uh, shared all of this with us. Uh, you know, gosh, it's been probably six months ago. Uh, but it's, it's, such a, it's such a valuable lesson. And in some ways, it's kind of freeing, right? Just to recognize, you know what? Nothing I can do about my, my favorite boss just left and now I got this other guy and I don't really like him. Like, okay, you, you know, you, you deal with what you've got. There's nothing I can do about that. Let me put my head down. Let me do my work. Let me be the best, best version of me that I can be. And I know that in the long term, that's what's going to prevail. And if you... Have you ever had pushback on that or pushback around this stuff in general? Because I, the reason I ask is some of the best salespeople that I know are like constantly anxious, like, and, and they're the types of people that are following all their competitors connections on LinkedIn, um, and checking to see if their customers are connecting with them. They're always on constantly anxious and, and it's partly what makes them great at what they do. Um, do you, do you ever see pushback from people as it relates to sort of letting go to certain, certain things? Um, in the sales profession? Well, look, we're all neurotic in different ways, right? I, I, I find, I mean, along those lines, I find uh, a lot of sales professionals, and I'm kind of this way too, like you almost need to have a healthy level of paranoia, right? Like stuff is going to freaking go wrong. Okay, well, let me think about what that might be. But again, it, it's doing that in a healthy way. Like what might go wrong? How can I proactively get in front of those things? So again, I can control what I can control. And, and I want to try and be proactive a, about those things and de-risk uh, some of this stuff that could blow up in, in my face, right? Let me make sure that I'm not single-threaded in my deal. Make sure that I've got other people engaged across the organization. So if something goes goofy with one person, that's okay. I got other people I can call. We can keep still kind of move this thing, move this thing forward. So I don't, I wouldn't call it pushback. Um, but I think we all have to recognize like we're all weird. You know, it's not just me and Austin. So it's, it's all of us. That's right. We, we've all got our idiosyncrasies. If you're interested in educational videos to better yourself, we highly recommend the great courses plus the Great Courses Plus is a subscription video on-demand learning service that gets you unlimited, uninterrupted access to a world of learning anytime and anywhere you want it. With courses on thousands of topics, you're sure to find something that will ignite your curiosity and invigorate your passion for learning. So head on over to the twosalesguys.com forward slash GCP. And um, and so if we shift a little bit to the things that you've learned, because it, you're in such a unique position to talk to these top performers and you've you've set out to go do that. Um, what's been like the biggest surprise to you um, as it relates to going out and talking to all these top performers? 
Yeah. The, so the I think the biggest surprise is how stereotype smashing the reality of ultra high performance really is. Right. Because even I who I, I think I'm fairly enlightened and I have an evolved sense of what like true professional sales is. Um, it, it, it still, there, there were things that I just sort of thought, right. It's especially along the lines of people being just so competitive and willing to do anything and borderline unethical type of types of activities. Like, look, it doesn't matter as long as I get the deal, as long as I win, as long as I'm at the top of the leaderboard, that's the most important thing. The reality is the very best sales professionals care the very most. They care about their customers. They care about their outcomes. They care about doing really good deals and really good business. And the rewards and the money and the leaderboard and all that stuff takes care of itself when you do that. So this this theme of like true servant leadership is so prominent and we talk so much about like salespeople are, are coin operated and money motivated and all these things. I find so often that money is not the primary motivator, right? Don't get me wrong. It's important. We all enjoy it. There's a reason why we subject ourselves to all this stress and torture uh, that, that is sales, but it, it often is so much bigger, right? It, it's so much more about, you know what? I am trying to help my customer get this great outcome. And, and that's where kind of this long-term impact of, so let's go back to kind of the ADP in my own career and all of this kind of stuff. Over time, as I have gotten better and better and developed my own skill set, sales has gotten more fun and easier, right? And, and then you, you, get to the point where like this is just it's kind of a game like this is just enjoyable i'm able to help people i'm able to have fun conversations usually in normal times i get to travel to really fun places and and just have some amazing experiences that most people don't get to have and i get paid to do it like how cool is that right so you you get you get all of this stuff um but it's it's just this underlying mindset piece um, uh, uh, around, I, I, again, I'm going to, I'm going to sound cheesy, but it's, it's like they, they just care, you know? And, and similarly, I, I think the most important thing, so I don't know that it's necessarily surprised me, but I feel like the biggest theme, cause everybody wants to know like, well, Scott, what's the secret? Well, first of all, the secret is there is no secret, like put that all aside, right? I think everybody's kind of looking for this. I need this magic bullet special pill freaking trick that is going to make all the difference. That's not a thing that does not exist, right? This is, it takes a, a lot of work, um, a lot of discipline, um, and, and just working on yourself to get to this extraordinary level. But the, the biggest thing for me, the, the most common thing that I see across all of these folks and stylistic, they, they are all over the place. I, I've talked to, I would guess that close to half of the folks I've interviewed tend towards introversion. 
And you would think, wait, I thought salespeople were always like, you know, really extroverted. And no, they they have they're more thoughtful about their process. They listen better. And that's really what it comes down to. What it comes down to is they have figured out how to be the best version of themselves and they have found their own way. They found their process, their approach that aligns with their unique strengths, their their unique just way that they are. And I think that is part of what we've struggled with here lately from a management culture perspective is there's a lot of like management by numbers and we're trying to put everybody into the same box. That doesn't work. If, if you want to develop a truly world-class sales team, you have to do the hard work of coaching each individual and helping them find their own way. And this is what I look for in my leaders, right? I, I think of myself like I'm, I'm kind of like a rough diamond, right? Like I I'm pretty good out of the box. You know, it, it, it looks all right, but if you'll ask me the right questions and if, if you'll help just challenge me a little bit to elevate my thinking a little bit more, make those few additional cuts, give me a couple extra facets and polish that thing. Like that is where the magic is. It's not in saying, Scott, do it this way because your way is not going to work for me. I'm not you. I don't sound like you. I don't think like you. So you might say that thing, but coming out of my mouth, it's going to come across really, really wrong. Those things are, 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 are very well put. I think that's something I've certainly tried to adopt and, and tell the folks that I work with is you got to find your own voice and that there isn't a, a one a one hit solution to the pro, to all the problems that you have. One of the, you mentioned caring more about the customers. Like, is that something that's just ingrained in that individual from the outset? Or is there a way to coach young professionals up on that particular area that you mentioned? That's a great question. I, I think. I think it depends. I think you find it both ways, right? Some people just kind of think that that way out of the box. I've I've certainly talked to folks that have made that transition. So I, I talked with Ian Cognac, and Ian uh, is one of the top performers at Salesforce. And early in his career, it was that mindset of like, go go go, run everybody over, do all of this stuff. When and he was a an average to below average performer. When he made the mindset shift to really focus on the customer and make it about them, his world changed. So I, I think I think it can be coached to a degree, but I think what's more helpful, again, this is the reason I created my damn podcast, is we have to hear it and see it and be able to believe that it's real because I don't think that sounds real. I think people are listening to this right now going, oh my God, Scott, like, what are you smoking? Like you, you've been hanging out in Austin too long, man. <laughs> you, you've been hanging out with all those hippies. What are, what are you thinking? But you, you have to kind of see it in action and, and see somebody performing an extraordinary level and doing it in this way and go, Oh my God, it, it is, it is real, right? It's kind of like the Rogers, Roger Bannister thing, right? Nobody could run under four minutes run a mile in under four minutes until they saw somebody do it. And then once they saw somebody do it, like tons of people did it. I still can't do it, but 
I hear it's possible. <laughs> and it's interesting too, because as, as sales evolves and transforms, like technologies and tools and data give us the ability to be more personal and or less personal, depending yeah. on how you use them. Um, how do you think sales is going to change like in the next 10 years? Like, what do you think are going to be some of the big shifts in, in our profession? Uh, this is this is really timely. We haven't talked about when we're releasing this episode, but folks should maybe follow me on LinkedIn or, or something and watch what I'm about to do, because there's there's some stuff happening in the well, actually, the thing I can talk about um, that should be live by the time you, you release this is I'm I'm getting ready to launch a sales tech podcast. Um, so I, I think you, you kind of touched on it, right? I have been riding the marketing technology wave for the last 10 years. I joined Eloqua, who, who arguably created the marketing automation space 10 years ago in 2011 and watched as the proliferation of marketing technologies really changed the face of, of marketing. Like we, it changed the way that the organization was structured. 10 years ago, there was nobody in marketing operations. That, that wasn't a thing. Um, now it, it's, it's a critical thing. Like we've got to figure out how all of this tech works together. And while we've had sales ops for a number of years, it's going to become more and more important that we, as we try and figure out how do we take all of this emerging technology and make great use of it. And that's that's really the challenge. What what I talk to people about a lot is you your technology needs to serve you. Right? You you can't let it control you. This this is also the reason why I am what I call a conscientious Facebook objector. Like that is just a deep, dark black hole. So screw and 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 it's all freaking gamified. So wait, here's a competitive thing. Like it just pushes all my competitive buttons. So I just turned it off. I'm like, I don't I don't need that. (laughs) So because it wasn't serving me, it doesn't help me. Right. But I can make LinkedIn help me. LinkedIn is a great tool, a super important tool in in my world. And so I I think we're going to have to find this right blend of how do we take the technology, put it together in the right way to where it really serves the sales professional. It has to make us better. It can't be, uh, it it can't be a a distraction. It can't be, I mean, if if you look at uh, one of my soapboxes just around CRM, I think CRM was built backwards. Right. CRM was built, built for sales leadership so that they could forecast and understand what was happening. It wasn't built to serve the sales professional. And so what do we have to do? We have to beat the sellers to put their data into CRM and threaten not to pay them if they don't put it in. But if you did it the other way, if you made the CRM so good that it made me better at my job, you'd have all the data you need. And so it's it's those kinds of shifts that that we're going to need to kind of work through. But I'm I'm super optimistic about how that's all going to to come together. I mean, we're going to struggle with it. Like it's one of those things. Like the the promise is always greater. If if you've ever seen like the hype cycle curve, you know that's going to happen. Like we're all going to be so excited. This is going to change the world, and then reality is going to set in. And we're like, okay, well, it's not going to change it that much. Um, and, and I think it's just kind of settling into that understanding and, and finding just that right fit and realize that the right way to use technology is not to try and replace humans, 
but to augment the humans and to make them better, help them understand themselves better, help them serve their customers better. Matt, you said it perfectly well at the beginning, right? Like you could use technology to be more personalized and more relevant and more useful and more valuable, or you could make it and turn it into a spam cannon that just irritates the crap out of everybody. Same technology. You have such an interesting perspective because you've had so many conversations with top performers you know, one thing I do want to comment on in terms of when you said, oh, you brought them together and you thought there might be this whole, you know, chest banging ego challenge going on. You know, I think as competitive as we are as sales professionals, when it really comes down to it, at least in my experience, I've really seen salespeople rally together mm-hmm. to help their teammates. I mean, even though I still want to beat you at the end of the day and I'm <laughs> going to do everything in my powers to, to beat you in terms of what I can control in my deals. But um, a lot of the folks that I've seen, we even just recently interviewed a guy who's been top seller at multiple companies year over year, including working with us. And everyone was always reaching out, seeking his insights and wanting to shadow him and looking for advice. And he always worked with them. And you'd, you'd come to say, like, like you said, that whole th- of expectation that the top salesperson is going to be like, listen, little guy, it's not worth my time to help you. It doesn't serve me in any way. Like I have to concentrate my precious sales time on selling and my stuff. But for the most part, we found that when you bring them together, they really rally behind each other. And I think that's something that's really unique about the sales culture in, in terms of feeling like a team. And I don't know if there's a lot of parallels to sports and the camaraderie of your teammates. And like, we work as a unit, yet we still have our individual responsibilities or individual deals. So I'm, I mean, that's one thing that I've always really been attracted to about the sales profession. I I love that you're talking about that, that this is sort of emerged as maybe even my theme of the year. And, And there's, there's actually some pretty interesting ways that we're looking to incorporate exactly this idea into this year's sales success summit and oh my god if we can't to get together in person this october i'm going to lose my ever loving mind but this just this concept of what does it mean to be and be part of a world-class sales team because I, th- I think you said it well but i think there's so much further that we could take it because if we're really honest very rarely even though we call ourselves a sales team are we really a team i think it's like sometimes we're a team But there's such a great opportunity for us to all elevate each other and invest in each other. And because long gone are are the days of the lone wolf. Like, I I think I think that's just not even a thing anymore. Right. This is sales is such a team sport. And it take it takes a village, right? And there there's so many people in your organization that you need to bring together to to get a deal to happen, and you need to do the same thing for your prospect and your client, right? They've we got to get all these stakeholders together and and help them get aligned, and so it takes this great active leadership to to be able to do that. But there is there's just this incredible opportunity that you know it, it's it's the rising tide lifts all boats kind of a thing. Right. The more that we can be sharing our best practices and what's working and our failures. Here's what's not working. Here's the thing I'm struggling with. Do you guys have any ideas how I can't seem to break through this or this doesn't seem to be working? The more that you share that stuff, the good and the bad, the more we all get better. 
And I, I think we really have to lean into that so hard because that is going to really start to make the difference, right? It's, it's the leaders who are starting to recognize that and go, dang, you know what? We together can, can do this. I've talked to some incredible leaders lately who are, are just kind of thinking about like, it's our number. It's not your number. It's our number. Like we all together own, own this number. We're all responsible. How do we make sure that no man's left behind, right? Like, I'm so sick of this, you know, half the sales team isn't even making their number. That's ridiculous. That's probably another soapbox because that also tells me like that can't all be on the reps. So stop putting it all on the individuals. That's also you made up a a BS number, right? So, you know, let's, let's be in this together. Let's be realistic. Let's be reasonable. Because my, my other thought around that is let's get into the positive psychology stuff, right? If you set a reasonable number and everybody feels like they're winning, they're going to do better. You, you might get to the exact same place that you would have been. Why would you want to do that in a way where half your team feels defeated? That's messed up. We need to stop that crap. Yeah, we've had some talks about quota setting and 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 that same thing, success begets success and that's it. Positive mindset around, you know, when I'm having success, you're gonna be more inclined to to have a, another set of success. So you know, look, I we've thought this has been a tremendous conversation, super insightful stories about you're not the only one out there listening to the show that has problems, has challenges. We've all gone through our own versions of it. And yet, I think there's been some really interesting outcomes for some of the stories you brought and some of the techniques you've applied. And, you know, we all need to find what works for us, uh, you know, in, in our situation. Um, just to kind of, you know, close out the show, I wanted to ask you, do you have any parting words, anything you want to say to those that are listening to the show? Well, why don't why don't we just kind of recap, right? I, I think the I think the main points and, and I'm going to put to put some of this together. If you go to top one dot FM forward slash two sales guys, um, I'll, I'll put links to a, a couple of Dave's presentation, maybe Ian's uh, uh, interview uh, for you to get a sense of, of some of these things. But the, the first is like take kind of that bullseye mindset, right? Control what you can control. Do what you can do about that. And let go of the other stuff. Don't worry about the other stuff, right? Like think think about the inputs and that and do the right thing there and the outputs will take care of themselves. I, I think the other thing that we kind of danced around but maybe didn't get right to the center of, kind of in it certainly embrace the team concept, right? Like lean, lean on your peers, lean on your leadership. Like we're all in this together. But I would extend that a little bit further and think about the community. Right. Who, who else can you connect with inside this space? Um, I, I did an interview with with an incredible player coach um, named Michelle Marshall. And Michelle talked about the buddy system. And I, I've taken kind of that concept one step further. I think you should have two buddies. You should have a buddy inside your organization. Right. Somebody that you both can support each other, be totally honest and transparent with each other, share the challenges, share the wins, all of that stuff. But you should also have a buddy in the broader community, right? Because your internal buddy is going to understand all the weird, crazy dynamics that you're dealing with in your organization. But it's also really valuable to have somebody with an outside perspective 
that's kind of seeing it not from that really skewed, weird filter way that you're seeing it because of the experience that you have that just brings a little bit of a different perspective. And I think if you can find just just find those two people, find find your internal buddy and find your community buddy and just start there, start there, help each other. You know, the, those that'll make such a big difference for you in 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 your results. And then, then beyond that, I'm just a huge fan of like find the best people. I mean, Sean, you said it well. People often think, oh, I'm not going to be able to get time with the with the top sales professional. Their time so valuable. We, we, we talk ourselves out of asking them. The reality is exactly what you described. Like we got here. Because we had people ahead of us who helped us get there. And so there is definitely a give back, pay it forward uh, type of thing that's that's happening in, in that scenario that um, you've got to lean into. Well, Scott, this was this was fantastic. And I really appreciate you taking the time to share this insight. I thought the recap is, is really, really great points. Um, just a reminder, where can where can our audience find you and, and all the great content and uh, and conversations that, that you're creating? Yeah, two easy ways. They basically will take you to all the same stuff. So you can either go to top one.fm or you can go to salessuccesseverything.com. Perfect. Thanks so much, Scott. We appreciate the time. It's been a blast. Thanks for having me. If you made it this far through the episode, thank you so much for listening. We'd really appreciate it if you could give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform wherever you listen. Also, coming up in two weeks on our next episode, we'll be interviewing David Weiss, David is the Enterprise Sales Director currently at Outreach, so obviously a powerful tool for sales folks, but he also is a podcast host of Psych and Sales with his wife, where they have an interesting perspective on psychology and sales and how that intersects. So we're very excited to have him on our show. We hope you guys come and listen, but in the meantime, please like and subscribe to all of our channels, social media like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We appreciate everyone who continues to share our show and get it out to their network. It's really helping us grow. We look forward to the next episode. Have a good one.